Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, our braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. Oh boy, I had forgotten how much fun I had recording this episode and editing it was a treat. You know when you're listening to a podcast because you listen to a thousand podcasts. Is that just me? Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, when you're listening to a podcast where the theme is sexual awakenings and both the hosts and the guests describe in amazing detail that time when they were seven and were watching Dragon Ball Z and saw Trunks for the first time and all those feelings arose. I'm paraphrasing. It was probably not Dragon Ball Z or Trunks. But you know what I mean. Well, I thought they were all brilliant minds, the kind that remember everything from the moment they were born. And then this week, someone mentioned how awkward it is to walk with a watermelon. And a whole flood of memories from Dirty Dancing came flushing into my brain. That staff party scene where all the entertainers are sweatily dancing in the most suggestive ways, in an orgy-like scenario. Oh boy. That's why that VHS tape of Dirty Dancing saw the inside of my VCR so many times. I've rewatched Dirty Dancing this weekend and may put my thoughts to paper soon. Feel free to tweet your sexual awakenings to me. I've somehow become really curious about how much people remember and what are the pieces of pop culture you associate with it. So I'm doing a bit of market research that has absolutely nothing to do with this podcast. We don't talk about our sexual awakenings in this episode, but we do talk about stand-up periods, breastfeeding, gun violence in America, day jobs and even Brexit. As usual, my guest, Isa Bonacera, will introduce herself. Hi, and Isa Bonacera. Uh, I'm a comedian from Spain that performs in the UK. I'm not in Spain. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and I'm here. I'm here to to talk to talk about being brave. <laughs> that's that's great. I I like I add that you have. I've seen. A couple of your shows in Edinburgh, yeah. and I always feel that they're super like original and they're, they're great, super funny, but also like super original and different. So I love it. Also, you've just <laughs> said that you perform in the UK and you're from Spain, and you know you don't perform in Spain. I have the same. I'm from Portugal. I've performed once in Portugal, <laughs> yeah. at, like three years in. Just like I'm here, I might as well try and do a show while I'm here. I don't know what will be this show because what Portuguese? <laughs> what is that language? <laughs> Have you ever tried to perform in Spain? Yes, I did one gig in Spanish and the audience was very confused <laughs> <laughs> because like in Spain like stand there isn't like a stand up culture like in the UK. So people that perform stand up in Spanish like air quotes here it, they they basically do like a monologue where they tell like a funny story or a series of like funny stories and they're pretty quickly And sometimes when people laugh because they have said something funny, they perform a shush then. They're like, shh, <laughs> because it breaks the flow of the story. So when I try stand up, I try the way I have been doing it here, where you tell a joke, set up, punchline, and then you get a laugh. And people were so confused by that rhythm. Like, they were like, what is this? We're not used to it. They were like very confused. And when I was pausing to give the audience a bit of space, They, they didn't know what to do at that time. They were like laughing and then they were like, oops, should we, should we be laughing or what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, it was like, a, like an, it was like very interesting. But I definitely want to do more in Spanish uh, since I, I know the language. Yeah. I, I, should. <laughs> I think that's like a thing. It should be like 
a good thing for us that we, mm. we can perform stand-up yeah. in different languages so we should take advantage of that but like my experience in Portugal was also very odd because like the, cu the stand-up culture is different but I feel like I was still living in Portugal so maybe 10 years ago there was a big boom there was like a TV show where stand-ups would go up very much in the American style yeah. uh, and very much in like using swear words to, to be funny mm. and I feel like that that is still the case or like very much shock comedy where people like do homophobic jokes fatphobic jokes uh. and it's like the show I was at it was like there were two women uh, apart from me and they both did like misogynistic stuff and like fatphobic stuff and all the men did like homophobic stuff and I was like there oh where am I what am I doing here and then I went up and did my set which is like my normal set I had yeah. added a few jokes that were meant for a Portuguese audience with like Portuguese specific stuff but it was mostly my set just translated yeah. into Portuguese and like I feel like the audience enjoyed it but at some point mm. I, I said I was bisexual and it was like I lost them <laughs> what, what's <laughs> happening what's happening uh, <laughs> just odd but I feel like I want to do more also because of that because I think the more different stuff people see the better yeah. it may become not that I'm saying that I do things better than other people but I think you shouldn't do homophobic fatphobic uh, misogynistic jokes so yeah <laughs> I think you're right <laughs> and on your side I feel like in, in Spain as well the, like the sensitivity is much lower and I think it's because there isn't much volume of stand-up so there isn't much to choose from so they It's, it's harder for them to see that things could be like done in a way that is like very funny but still like respectful. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they yeah, they, they also like think that companies who, who have a shock value and issue like used to say like rude stuff. But yeah, hopefully it will change. Like now they're getting like more like Netflix shows. Yeah. So they see the stand-ups, specials and stuff. So I think the like things they're starting to realize like, oh, there's like there's... more to it. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the theme of bravery. Oh, yeah. How would you define bravery? I guess bravery is about just like pushing forward, even if you're scared, I guess. Uh, even if like you have something to lose. Is that a good definition like being brave is not about not being scared i'm yeah. getting very deep here <laughs> it's about like doing things even if you're scared to do them yeah. um <laughs> that's a great definition and i like i like the idea of there being a possibility of losing something or yeah because that yeah. that puts the stakes high and mm. i guess that's why we're scared of doing stuff it's because we may lose yeah. something or get mm -hmm. hurt or something like that yeah it's like when, when you do stand-up at the beginning you're very scared to go on stage and do your stand-up because you feel that you're gonna lose people are gonna lose respect towards you or you're gonna lose respect toward yourself you're gonna find out something about yourself that you don't necessarily want to learn like that you're not as funny as you think that you are But then when you do enough gigs, you don't care anymore whether a gig doesn't go that well because you do so many that you realize that like you have nothing to lose anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because And I guess like the more you do... Because you have lost all your respect. I guess so. You, you, you have less <laughs> self-respect maybe. But also like you, you have been through so many that you know that sometimes yeah. you do well and sometimes you do yeah. less well and that doesn't necessarily change things. So yeah. 
maybe it's all down to self-respect. Oh no, we're just <laughs> losing all our self-respect. No. <laughs> what is your definition of being brave? I think that that is it. It's like doing something despite mm-hmm. being afraid. I I do like yeah. uh and I like I've said this in other episodes uh, so far who is listening for to all the episodes. You've heard me say this before, but like <laughs> I feel uh I, I it's hard for me to accept when someone tells me I have been brave or that that mm-hmm. something I have done is brave because for me it just feels like something I I'd, I'd have done anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's like and that's like why I I'm doing this podcast because I think it's like an interesting uh discussion and to know what other people think it's brave and Oh yeah. yeah. Because I think it's different. Yeah. The, 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 um, the definition is the same. It's like doing something despite being afraid. Mm-hmm. But what is that makes you afraid? I think it's a, a cool discussion to have. That is different oh for my God, people. Yeah, yeah like, I feel like a lot of times people throw the, the word brave around. For, for instances that are not necessarily about being brave. Like when, when a woman, like a curvy woman takes a photo in a bikini and everyone's like, oh, you're so brave. It's like, what? Yeah, that's in she their just... head. It's like in their head, <laughs> if they were, yeah, th- if they had that body, they would, wouldn't possibly be in a bikini. <laughs> but that's so like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you will have been brave if you have done that. Because you are, you have something in your nugget that's not right. But that lady that did it, she was just putting on a bikini. Yeah, she was not. She was just probably. Safe. It was a, a hot day, and she felt like she yeah. wanted some breeze. Yeah. <laughs> I've asked you to think about a moment or moments in your life where you have been brave. Yeah, can you share that those with us? Yeah. So one moment in my life in which I think I was right, like so. As a bit of context, when I was in high school, I was super into basketball. And like my coach was awful. He was so mean. He was so mean to me. He didn't like me. He liked all the girls. Like he liked the girls in the team that were, did well, like in every game. But I was a bit up and down. So, <laughs> so he really didn't like me because I was a wild card. I could be doing very well in a game, and the next one I could suck. So I was like doing, I was like playing for some reason. I was like doing amazingly one time and like weirdly so. Like I suddenly was overcome by a superpower. I don't know if, if you know a lot about basketball, but uh, if someone like like hits you when you're, you're trying to score a point, you get to do a free throw. Yeah. Well, the other team was getting very frustrated with me so they were going at me pretty aggressively and it got to the point in which like usually they give you two free throws but if the fall is like really serious they give you more than two mm-hmm. they can give you four and and so on it got to a point in which i have to do eight free throws like like uh, one after another like for the same fall because it, they they were pretty going at me pretty aggressively and i score all of them and I felt like this is amazing. This is the highlight of my life. I have never have. <laughs> this is so rare. I don't know what's happening, but I'm playing very well. And then my period came, <laughs> and like our uniform was white, and they were like, "People watching, 
and there was a little stain. Like the reason why I knew that my period came was because there was a little stain. And this girl came and she's like, Isa, maybe you should you should not be playing because you're bleeding all over the place. This is so gross. Why am I it's telling not, this? It's, it's, it's nature. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. nature. I was I was like twelve or thirteen, you know, just cut me some slack. You know, when you're 12 and 13, this is all new. You don't go around carrying like <laughs> all your supplies yeah. all the time. Especially if you're like th- playing a game of basketball. Yeah. You won't have like your pads on your pocket yeah. while you're playing. So, yeah. <laughs> no. So like my coach came uh, and he was like, oh, you're like bleeding. <laughs> you should sit down. And I was like, no. <laughs> For once in my life. And playing well, so I just gonna just gonna get going. And by the end of the game, the stain in my trousers was seizable. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it, and there was like a lot of people watching, and maybe they thought I was gross. But by the end of that game, they could they couldn't take it away from me. <laughs> that I was a good basketball player. So I'd rather be a good a. a, a Good basketball player and gross, <laughs> and being someone who quit, and people don't know that she have her period. <laughs> I think there's um, th- there are both lessons there. There are two lessons because people can take away from this like, no, I will. <laughs> After listening to that story, I would rather stop playing, <laughs> and that's completely acceptable. But other people could. <laughs> The lesson that they could take is that I should just keep going even if I have my period up. And that's also an acceptable lesson. And so I, like, it can I, go both ways. Yeah, I, I feel like you were ahead your, of your time because I think like, I don't know, last year, I don't know in which competition, but there was an, an athlete that ran mm. with her period. So by yeah. the end of it, she was also like, all blooded uh and it was like in a news so so gross but also but also like yeah you like you trained for how many how much time to to be an athlete and to do that competition uh and now you won't give up of course not also in terms of grossness i'm i'm assuming you were sweating that's somehow gross as well so i don't think if it's grosser or less gross yeah i I know that like it was not like i was like it was like baguettes. It was just like, you know, like when it first come, it's not that terrible. It's yeah. like spotting. But then it's, it's six hours later. There's like that scene in The Shining, which like <laughs> the elevator <laughs> doors open and all the blood comes out. And there's like two twin sisters <laughs> holding hands. In the middle of your legs. <laughs> yeah. This this shining um, and yeah, but, but it was it, I I I like to think that I was not as gross in that moment as people in the team were to try and to make me believe that I was. <laughs> well, I'm I'm proud of being brave in that moment. I also is it being brave because I did it for my own personal gain because I wanted to prove myself. I did I did that for no one. <laughs> By myself. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think it is like you could have, I don't know, it depends on how you were feeling about having a stain. Because, like, if you were feeling yeah. embarrassed embarrassed and stuff and still went through it, yeah. it is being brave. I like, I, I uh, used to swim a lot uh, and mm. 
to the point that I was started to be asked to be in competitions and stuff like that. I didn't want to do competitions because when I was a teenager, I was a, a goody two shoes and thought competitions were a bad thing because it put people against other people and I just wanted yeah. to swim for fun and to be like better at swimming. But also, it was at the time that I I got like into puberty and so I have I d- I didn't have like super regular periods because I have polycystic ovaries, but. Every time I had my period, I couldn't go on the pool because I couldn't, at that Uh. time, I couldn't wear a tampon and stuff like that. So it made me give up on swimming. And I think (sighs) if I had been braver, I'd be kept swimming and I'd be like a a really good swimmer now. And now I I get tired by swimming like a length of a pool. So yeah. Oh my God. Society is, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's so crazy that young girls that are like in their teens are so embarrassed of like something this natural and that happened to like half of the population yeah and, like all that need to happen to solve this problem is like early on educate everyone about this being a natural thing because like if you don't ever tell like boys as well that that is like natural and nothing to be ashamed of they will make fun of you yeah if you if they see you having your period it's just like it's just awful it's just, yeah i remember like it's happened yeah. yeah when you first start having your period and like you're at school and you don't have like mm. your pet or something and you have to ask someone and you ask okay, okay does anyone have <laughs> yeah. and then you hide it inside your sleeve uh, to go to the toilet it's also oh because you know if you just hold it out the boys will make fun of you everyone's like yeah. shame shame <laughs> You're bleeding. <laughs> you have to like get like some spy level skills, <laughs> just like hiding like pads in like different parts of your body so they couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it also happened right now because like I, I work, I have a, a day job, and I don't feel comfortable asking my boss for a day off if I'm having a particularly bad period day. Yeah. It's just it's it's embarrassing. I cannot go and be like, oh, I'm not gonna go to work today because my you know my, my uterus are... uterus yeah like it's, it's killing me <laughs> you cannot not say that even though like 70 percent of the people in the office are women and they relate ah my boss is female so she should relate yeah but i think i i feel like also like i don't know i'm assuming your boss maybe is younger than you but i also feel like <laughs> older women mm. have more of um also like i have a different relationship with our periods that then because we i think we are from from a generation that is trying to be better at owning the fact that we yeah. have periods it hurts sometimes your mental health sometimes also gets jumbled because your hormones are all over the place but i feel like in other times and also because you, we know men have like that we're in a patriarchal society and blah 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 so mm-hmm. you have to be able to work through things you can't say i have to I take a day off so women can't have the same jobs as men because you will ask for a yeah. day out on off on period and that's all bullshit because we do the same amount of work even if we take a day off so fuck oh, you. <laughs> more work yes. we do more work i i uh, like i i'm not gonna disclose where i work <laughs> but <laughs> generally i notice that the women are more competent and willing to get things done so like that day off is like at least well earned <laughs> but i like i i agree with you that it feels like if you like older women, what I think happened is that they themselves have been so oppressed by these workplaces and stuff. And they have, if I feel uncomfortable bringing that up, I cannot even imagine how they felt when they were my age trying yeah. to bring this up. So I think like there's also an element that 
why should I give that to you that no one gave to me? You know, like oppressed people end up acquiring the characteristics of their oppressors because that's what they know. I think that there's like an element of that going on. I have never thought about feminism to that <laughs> level. <laughs> I feel like, and then there, there's other stuff as well, because I remember my mom telling us, because she like had me and my sister and she went back to work pretty early, like mm. a week after we were born or something like that. And she'd yeah, like oh. stop to breastfeed us, but she's a lawyer. So, so sometimes she was in court a case yeah. and your breasts apparently start releasing milk even if a baby yeah. isn't there because it's the time so she'd like you wear those black uh, toga things over your clothes yeah. she says she was all wet under that thing so no one could see it but it's probably super uncomfortable if you're just like yeah. filled with milk on your shirt under your toga so yeah and that Aww. feels like she was her the first woman lawyer in our hometown. So it feels like it, has, it is oh something God. that she had to do in order to be the same as the men around her. Yeah. With this brain, yeah. I think, like, because she's giving up. So she's giving up her comfort. She's giving up, like, being with her children at a time in which she, her body biological <laughs> was yeah. telling her, have a baby here. <laughs> and yeah. Oh. Oh, the word is bullshit. Oh, let's change it all. <laughs> let's change it. We're trying. Some we're trying. Have Every day. <laughs> Just do it faster, Mariana. Do it already. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I'm not a superhero. <laughs> is there like any other moment that you've thought about? <sighs> in terms of like being brave. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know many instances in which I have been <laughs> very brave. I can tell you one in which like I was very surprised about how... <laughs> how much of a coward i am <laughs> but it was like an awful awful experience and i have told this before in a in a show i, I used to live in, in michigan in the united states and i used to live uh in a city called ann arbor which is very close to detroit which is hell on earth is <laughs> <laughs> that city is is crazy detroit is 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 bankrupt bankrupt, bankrupt. what is the word yeah yeah <laughs> Like, they have no money. That's, yeah. that's the point. They have no money. And what the United States have done is that instead of, like, helping them out, helping the city, they just, they have decided, well, this is the way it is. Time change. <laughs> You're not doing so well now. Bye. Good luck. And they had, like, this issue also because they, they cannot service the entire city. What they're doing is that now they're only like providing services to the inner part of the city yeah. to force people living in the outskirts of the city to move in and reduce the size. So if you if someone robbed you like in the suburbs of Detroit, police will not come and help you or maybe it will take like four hours mm -hmm. and the same with like firefighters and ambulance and things that you get no services just like and let they don't the outskirts the burn yeah, yeah they just like let them die out and if the people cannot move in in the inner city like that's their luck they just have to deal with it. It's uh, it's awful, awful, awful. And um, because of that, also there are like lots of abandoned buildings in Detroit. I went to a party in one of those abandoned buildings. So they sometimes they take them and they, they do parties there. It was like my friend's uh, birthday, but it was like a bigger. It was like a bigger 
like party. party but it just happened to be his birthday um i was like dancing there and then there were two guys next to me and they were fighting over a girl they, apparently they were trying to hit on a girl and it didn't land and then they were fighting between each other and then i heard like a balloon popping mm-hmm. and and i look to my right to this guy that was like standing next to me and he was on the floor and the other guy have a gun he literally pulled a gun and shot the guy I, I always like, I read all the stories about shootings in the United States and I always like in my head, I picture how I would react <laughs> if I were in front of an active shooter and how brave I would be. And I was just like standing there and I, I, I was paralyzed like a, like a deer, like in front of a car, just like I couldn't move. Like I literally, my legs were like stuck, like they could not move. My arms could not move. The guy that was shot, he was catatonic. He was like, it, it was like not like in the movies where you get shot and you're like, oh, and yeah. you just like touch yourself. He was like stiff. He went like catatonic. Everyone started like screaming and running and I just couldn't move. I was like locked in place to the point that a friend had to come behind me and grab yeah. me and take me out of the building. And then I saw two guys that like took the, the guy with the gun down. But between like the moment that he shot the guy for the first time and then he shot the guy a second time. And I was like standing there and I saw him shooting the guy a second time. I did nothing. I was like stuck. And I remember that after this whole incident, the police came eventually. They they, they had the guy on the floor like for a long time. There was a nurse uh, that happened to be at the party and she was like trying to help the guy that got shot. The police came and usually these cases get resolved pretty quickly because there's like, there's like a thousand of witnesses. Yeah. yeah. And I was like next to the scene, so they like were interviewing me to to tell them what happened, and they put one of those like gray blankets yeah. on me that they have in the car, and it's very clear that they just carry the blankets in that car all day in the truck because that that blanket was stiff. It was it was smelly. <laughs> they don't watch those blankets. That blanket have been many many <laughs> victims before. I was like, it made things worse. <laughs> and and this policeman was like at the beginning very patient with me, asking me questions. And like I I was just rambling and couldn't give straight answers. I was like drunk and a bit high as well. I just couldn't get any words out. And he got frustrated and started yelling at me. And I was like half crying <laughs> because he was yelling at me. And I thought he was gonna arrest me for being useless. <laughs> it was awful. But eventually, I, he got some words out of me. It was like terrible, terrible, terrible. And then the next day I woke up, I went to my friend's house to sleep. And I woke up the next day and I have some droplets of blood <gasps> in me from the guy that got shot. But I still to this day so surprised by my reaction and how I didn't do anything. How like I lost, how cool. <laughs> much of like i i didn't do anything which is like interesting because it's there's like this disparity between the pictures i painted in my head about why i will obviously do in a situation like that and what i actually did and it's it's giving me like every time that i hear a story in the news about like there's a story about one guy that went to an university and started like shooting students um and a professor that happened to be a holocaust survivor like barricaded the door of his class to let their, his students 
get through the window or through another door. And he was doing that as the guy was shooting the door yeah. and eventually he died, but he saved like 30 students or so. I had like so much respect for people that react <laughs> in situation of emergency because like I now know that that yeah. will not, <laughs> that will not, not have been me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that brings me to my mom again, because she, she was shot at. Oh, my God. In court. She had, like, a guy, one of... He wasn't her client. He was he was bankrupt, so all his stuff was being auctioned in court. Yeah. And my mom was the lawyer of one of the people he owed yeah. money to. So my mom and that guy were in the auction. And the guy who was bankrupt came in. And he had been uh, threatening my mom of death before, like the, oh. the month before the court thing. And he came in in the courtroom and stopped. And my mom says she looked at him and she thought, he's going to take a gun out and he's going to shoot. So my mom went under the, the bench, she says, before yeah. she even saw a gun. But it was so fast that everyone around thought she was a super like trained soldier and was fast yeah. enough to go under after she saw the gun. <laughs> but she says she didn't see the gun. She just saw it in her head that yeah. that's what he's here to do. And her next to her, her client had a gun in court. Like, I don't know, this is Portuguese court, clearly is not very <laughs> safe. And he had a gun on him, but he, like you, just stayed in the same place, stiff. He yeah. didn't do anything. Also, like, probably better for everyone that he didn't pull out his yeah. gun as well. Uh, but yeah, he just stayed there. And my mom went. She says she put all her documents on top of the desk yeah. and she went under the bench. <laughs> and I, I was Very like, neat. I was maybe 11 and, like, someone <laughs> went to pick me up at school. I'm just taking you home. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It was very. It was a very weird day. And then, like the guy wasn't caught. It's which is like the funniest thing. He just disappeared. The police was after him. They didn't know where oh he was. God. They were surrounding his house. And like at two a.m., my parents were watching TV because they couldn't sleep. And he was giving an interview to national TV. And he was inside his house oh with the police God. surrounding the house. But they thought he wasn't inside. He was like in jail for like two years, and then he came. Oh out. my God, that's that's so scary. Yeah, like just but also like knowing that someone tried to kill you and that person is still alive and going around and you don't know when something's gonna go in their brain and they're gonna be like oh i should finish that <laughs> task that is turning <laughs> Yeah, oh. no, no, everything is good, and oh, it's yeah. been many years, and he hasn't tried again. So I oh guess it's God. fine. But yeah. also, like whenever I'm, I like I, uh, I'd like to live in America at some point, in New hmm. York at some point in my life. But whenever I'm like walking the streets in London, and like someone, like a cyclist, just cycles really close to me, or someone is just being a jackass, and I like insult them, I always feel like, oh, if I was in America, I'd probably be shot dead right now. <laughs> well. It's, it's very interesting. I lived there for five years and the thing that made me move out was that experience. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there there's a lot of things that, that don't make a lot of sense for European people that take certain things for granted, like the it's better to prioritize the community than to prioritize the individual mm -hmm. and things like that but the thing that I just cannot get over like I, I just cannot get over the the arms thing the the people carrying yeah. guns around it's just that it doesn't make any sense to me so yeah uh, i i knew when i went there that maybe I was not going to stay in the United States forever. Yeah. But when I saw it up close, <laughs> I was like, definitely 
Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I still have family there. My brother lives there. My brother lives in Indiana. And he, he doesn't seem that bothered about it. I guess, like, statistically speaking, it's very difficult that, that you, you would see, especially if you live in a good area. Yeah. But, yeah, I worried about them all the time. Because... Yeah, especially yeah. after you experience it, I guess. It's, like, it's yeah. way more in your head after that than it was before. Even if before you yeah. knew that it could happen. But I was also in an abandoned building in Detroit. <laughs> In an area that is not serviced by police or by firefighters. So I think like, you know, I don't I victim make the blame situations just <laughs> that's true, that's true. Still unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable everywhere. I guess that's like uh, one of the answers to my next question, I guess. Yeah. But maybe you have another experience of like, have you ever not done something for lack of bravery or fear? And like, clearly you haven't moved yeah. in that situation. But is there like <laughs> another thing that you could think of? Like every day quitting my day job. Yeah. The Everyone... Like, I have lots of friends that tells me that I should quit my job because I'm very happy doing comedy and I should just dedicate my time to it. But, yeah, I, I just cannot. I don't, I don't, my family is now <laughs> very, very comfortable. They, they're, not, they're not well off. So I didn't grow up with all the stuff in the world, like expensive holidays and stuff. And now that I have all this disposable income, all the, like I'm <laughs> earning a lot <laughs> Now that I have some disposable income, I have acquired <laughs> a lifestyle that I cannot go, <laughs> I cannot like turn, like, you know, yeah. to say goodbye to. And, and by this lifestyle, I mean that I can afford to eat out <laughs> a few days a week, which is not a lot. But to me, it is, to me, this is like wealth. <laughs> this is prosperity. And like, I, I I don't know whether prioritizing my creativity is, is worth giving this up, but I know that if I don't do it, I'm just going to regret it my whole life. It's like, it's very interesting. I guess like lots of people have that, that issue. As, as a performer, how do you feel about dedicating yourself to comedy versus like having a more stable like living? Yeah, it's like, I think unless there's like, like if I get a job as a writer somewhere, mm. I will probably give up my other jobs but yeah while as a performer i think there's i can't see having enough stability to leave other stuff yeah. and like especially like in the times we're living now i think like i do different jobs i have like four different jobs or whatever most of which aren't happening during the pandemic yeah. so one of them is and i'm very happy because i still can pay my bills so i <laughs> guess like yeah that's before I wouldn't think a pandemic could happen and no one could uh, work in entertainment. Now it's even, it's one more thing that you have to think, oh, yeah. maybe I should <laughs> have like a safe job too. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you, I know that having a nine to five is not worth it. I'm like stress. I, I feel that every day I use up all my energy doing something that I don't like. And then at the end of the day, I don't have enough energy to, to do things that I actually want to do. It's like, yeah, I'm just like cleaning the, <laughs> just like gathering the little bit of energy that's left at the end of the day and trying to do something creative with it. Um, and every day I, I go to bed feeling sad that I haven't done more stuff that I wanted to do. But 
it's it is something certain, something stable, as opposed to something that you don't know where it's gonna take you. And, and also, I feel I feel that performers need to be more sincere, <laughs> to be more honest about how they make their living, because there's a lot of misleading information yeah. going around. There's a lot of people that claim that they're getting by doing things that actually they're getting more help than they, they claim that they are. And to people like, like you and me, like who we, we, we cannot decide moving to our parents' house because they don't live in yeah. the UK. <laughs> they don't live in the UK. And I cannot just like struggle financially for, for a few months and just have my parents like, send me money because they, they are, my dad is about to retire. They, I cannot ask them. Yeah. I cannot, I, I'm almost 30, I cannot do that, they, they are not rich. So I think like, I, I, I personally would appreciate if, if like people were more honest about it and more clear about whether getting their money, for, especially when they're giving you advice about quitting your job, yeah. maybe they should tell you, uh, by the way, <laughs> my family gives me a few hundred pounds every month, so that's how I do it. <laughs> Then I will take their advice with a grain of salt. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like because you have a scientific back background, you, yeah. I don't know if you have you finished your PhD or if you were short of your PhD, no. <laughs> but still, like you've had like a, a super big yeah. academic path, which I think your parents were happy about. Yeah. Like, because I feel I, I like I'm a biochemist. Yeah. I did a master's, and my parents were very. They really wanted me to do a PhD, and I decided I didn't want to do a PhD, and then gave up science, and I'm now working full on in like the in jobs that are odd for them uh, and that they don't <laughs> understand very well so I feel I feel like I I can't even though my parents maybe could help me I feel like I can't ask them to just full-on yeah. give me money to do something they maybe don't agree super yeah. a, a lot with and like they actually wanted me to like they would pay for me to do a PhD happily i think but yeah so i don't know if you feel yeah. like similarly that if you would leave your job and dedicate yourself to comedy altogether mm. would your parents be weirded out by that they it will kill them <laughs> it will like it will finish they were so disappointed when i quit my phd i, I didn't quit it to do comedy i quit it because PhDs are awful. Uh, it was yeah it was it, it was a very intense environment and very stressful and it was not I didn't think that I was gonna get out of it the professional help that I that I needed. Um not professional help like <laughs> it sounded like I was like going to a psychiatrist. I like like I I was not I I didn't feel that it was gonna better my chances of getting a good job. Yeah. Like I I felt that we live in a world well PhDs are not valued as highly as they should outside of academia. Yeah. In academia, obviously, you need a PhD, but outside, if you have a you you can get the same job with a master and with a PhD. So if you know that you don't want to stay in academia you should 100% quit that PhD it's not worth your grief and I made that decision I decided I wanted to work for industry and I didn't want it to be in academia so that's the reason why I quit my PhD and they broke my parents they reacted as it was <laughs> as if I was leaving high school or something they were like you are you're leaving university and it was like ah 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 graduate <laughs> 
Do you remember? I did my degree already. You went to the graduation. <laughs> you were there. You know that I got my degree. But they were like so disappointed because they they like don't understand that I was what I was doing was actually better mm -hmm. for my career in the long term. But at the time, I was like really into comedy. So one of their concerns is that I was quitting my PhD to become a clown. <laughs> and <laughs> like the ones with the red nose and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like birthday parties, scaring children. And yeah, they, they made it very clear at the time that they were not going to support me like emotionally with that. I think that if I were in a very difficult financial situation they will help me out because they're they're good people and they they will not let that happen to the daughter but i think it will be really hard for them i don't feel that i should make the personal choice of having a career path in which i know i'm gonna struggle financially and i might find situations in my life in which i might need to ask my parents for money i couldn't do that so i think like i'm just gonna take the long road here i cannot take <laughs> lots of people can go back to their parents house or they know that they're gonna be stable for for a year because they can get some help during that time and they can try things out but that's not the game that i can play so i'm just gonna just gonna take the long the long road and if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and if it's not gonna happen then at the end of it all i still have another career yeah so it's not that bad all things considered this is like the the mentality of someone that come from from spain where there's like a lot of unemployment and everyone's like at least you have a job and i'm like yeah <laughs> good point yeah yeah i forgot that but yeah when you have something you want more and I think like, yeah, sometimes it's also good to learn to be happy with what you mm -hmm. have. And that's a very good lesson to learn because, yeah, you, you can live to be happy or you can be happy with your life. If you I, I, I understand <laughs> Wait, what you're trying to say because I'm like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, to like do that. I'm trying to be yeah. happy with because... Like I, it's I have a, a good life, uh, so I'm trying to be happy with yeah. it and not think that I will can only be happy if I have the things that I exactly. want to have someday. Yeah. Because also, like, if you yeah. hear people who have got their like dreams sorted, they still want more now. So no one is ever no one's fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. So but like, I come from a family where no one have choices. It was what it was. They they have the professions that they had because that was 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 available to them and they are happy they're happy because they don't have all that choice it just feels that now i and in, in this very lucky situation and we have like <laughs> a lot of choices of things that i can do with my life i have more opportunities and i'm just never gonna be happy because i'm never gonna take the perfect choice you know yeah. it's uh yeah and i think that's so that's probably like <laughs> one of the Curses. I don't know if that's the right word to yeah. use of maybe our generation as well that like we have more yeah. choice so we probably aren't as happy yeah our generation is depressed yeah. <laughs> it's like it's very depressed but also like yeah because you like none of the people that I know that are around our age live a particularly bad life they're all like Especially like people that we know in common that do this and do comedy. That is 
very cool that you can do that and it's an interesting life to have and maybe they have a day job and they do that in the evenings that's like really cool but very few of them are happy because you're always comparing yourself with people on social media you compare yourself with the person that's doing things with the radio and the person that's doing things for tv and you lose sight that it's actually pretty cool that you're doing it like live as well you know i think it's really hard because we are always comparing like and you were saying about like having a day job and being tired and not having enough time to do all the creative stuff you have and maybe you're comparing yourself with someone that has the opportunity to have some money from their parents and so they can take more time to be creative Uh, but also in another like perspective i i feel like even when you do have a lot of time and i guess a lot of people are living that through the pandemic and i know mental health stuff is different through this period because it's like a very like heavy period to live through but a lot of people are not doing the creative stuff they would like to do even though they have a lot of time but i and i think that happens even outside of a pandemic there's people i hear stories like i listen to a lot lot of podcasts and i hear stories (laughs) of people who quit their day jobs and still didn't take the time to be as creative as they and maybe they have the same uh production levels that as if they had the day job yeah i feel like it's also because if there's something that you love it's hard to make it a job if, if there's something that you love is you start like putting boundaries to it and, and giving it a structure and giving yourself a schedule to get things done you start to enjoy it less you lose something out of it it yeah it feels like you're quitting a job to start another job rather than to do something that you love but i think that if you want something to become a job you have to treat it like a job you have to (laughs) have some discipline wake up like make the effort at your desk and write yeah yeah yeah, like you have a day job for, for eight hours, try to write for eight hours. And then the reason why I am stressed all the time is because I have my day job and then I force myself to write after my day job. So I literally never get free time because it's all all my free time I, I utilize thinking about comedy, which is like a second job. So like if you dedicate yourself like that you have a, a good job that you love and then you have free t- actual free yeah. time <laughs> so you you have the opportunity to have a good work-life balance yeah, yeah but give it some structure and just do it and make it profitable <laughs> yeah i do feel and like some money, go on, some money like since yeah. i started doing comedy i hang out with friends a lot less and maybe my friends don't like me as much because i'm never around yeah. so yeah i totally relate to that I just don't have time to go out to hang out with people. I'm doing a gig or writing or whatever. Or you're going out and you're going out late and you're having a good time. And then the guilt come in like, you should be writing. You should be gigging. You shouldn't be here. And yeah, it's, it's also an education, like learning to take care of yourself and learning that entertaining yourself and socializing is is as as important as being successful yeah. and, and things or, or more and i just feel like <laughs> you do yeah. have to have those moments which is something you also i think you also learn throughout doing comedy yeah uh, like very full-on is that you do have to have those moments of like leisure in order to be able to write comedy yeah. as well because you need to have experiences to to have what yeah. to talk about i like it's it's like with any job if you're like trying to solve a problem 
and you cannot solve it and you take some time off go for a walk or like you stay away from it for a couple days you go back to it you can solve it pretty quickly but if you power through sometimes you you cannot find a solution and you burn out because you're not like enjoying the process so it's like it you need to take some time off you need to like enjoy yourself i was like i i know people that have like a weird relationship with food you know like they when they eat like something like sugary and stuff they feel guilty about eating it and i always find that awful that they feel that way like and like just enjoy your donut like it's it's one in in a blue moon just enjoy it don't don't feel guilty but then that's what what's happened with like work for me if i'm taking time off to do things i enjoy i feel guilty about giving that to me and i cannot apply that lesson <laughs> I get like I'm a hypocrite and <laughs> telling people to do things that I don't do. It's like interested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's way easier to look at other people and tell them what to do. So yeah, I yeah. get it. Oh, oh I'm an expert <laughs> on other people's life. I can diagnose what's wrong with them. I can give them a solution right away. <laughs> but here I am. So help me. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's good. Yeah. Do you have so anything coming up? that you think w you will have to be brave to do. You will have to muster uh, all your bravery in order to be able to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. I guess like, I'm at a point, at, at a crossroads in my life in which I have to, I might have to decide to, to move out of the UK <laughs> because I, I need to think about my long-term like, life plan. And, and one of the things that I definitely want to do is uh, buy a house. And I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen in this country. So and and now at a crossroad in which I will need to decide whether I need to give that up and say the UK because there is more of a comedy culture and I, I will want to do this, or go to a place with less of a comedy culture and where I can buy a house. It's it's the same point as before about like quitting the job to do comedy, like sacrificing something that you want to do comedy and i think that yeah that's that's the point where i am i think like that's gonna require some some courage and i think like what's gonna happen is i'm gonna stay here and i'm gonna keep trying i'm not gonna become a homeowner for a while <laughs> oh, oh like I, i see so many people from high school with houses <laughs> and but they, they their houses in spain yeah which are like cheaper but still like geez like i want a house <laughs> you're again I comparing yourself uh, to other people ah uh, yeah <laughs> oh my god there's a thing here <laughs> there is a pattern i i imagine like the same thing that i was telling you which like unable to help people with their life very clearly people that might be listening to this podcast maybe <laughs> might know the solutions and they will be like oh just do this and that already <laughs> Stop complaining about that. It must be so frustrating for people to listen to me. But I'm like, mm, what should I do? Should I do this thing that's quite good? 
should I do this other thing that's quite good as well? That's the thing. If it's you had like, if you had to make an option between something that was good and something that was shit, the choice yeah. would be easy. What about you? Do you have anything coming up that you're gonna have to be right about? Like I always uh, talk about uh, like little things. One of the things I have coming up that I will have to be brave about. My friend is fixing my bicycle, and I will try to yeah. start riding my bicycle in London traffic. <gasps> I have learned how to ride a bicycle <sighs> two years ago, oh, so. Yeah. Oh. I'm really bad at it, but that's like I'll oh have to God. be brave <laughs> if I want to do that. I think so. I I I couldn't ride a, a bike in London. Like there's like, especially do you know the intersection in Old Street? Oh yeah. <laughs> I always like, I always hold my breath every time that I see someone riding a bike through that intersection. It's like crazy. It's, it looks so dangerous, and like buses, they just don't see yeah. you. They like close. Yeah. No. I, I will not ride a bike. No, thank you. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just gonna take the. I'm gonna be in the bus. That's gonna. <laughs> that's going to run over me. <laughs> take that tight curve. That's gonna run. Over. Oh no, Mariana! You shouldn't and have gone on a bicycle. <laughs> I was like once in a bus, and there was like a bicycle in front of the bus, and the bicycle was riding. It was like a bike lane that was also like a bus lane. Yeah. You know, it was. There's like lots of those. If they're like. Is there a space for a bike lane? Let's just put it in the middle of the road <laughs> where no bike lane should ever be and just call it a bike lane. And there was like this lady riding the bike and she was like going as fast as a bike could go. And the bus behind her was like like honking at her to go faster. And she could like, you could see her that she was like looking back and she was like, ah, and just like trying really hard. But this like so fast that you can ride a bike and she was like freaking out in the bike <laughs> and i was like seeing it from the upper decker of the bus it's like very comfortable <laughs> and i was like oh i will not want to be the lady but it's good for the environment exactly it's it you cut traffic like you are not stuck in traffic it's good for your health you get fit riding a bike it it's for the high risk of, of death it's just like an amazing way to travel <laughs> i think that's, that's qualified brave that's like quite brave actually and i guess like also with the same as you and with like brexit and stuff i don't know how much I, i'm also like trying to figure out whether i want to stay in the uk or not yeah, yeah not as much because i i'm fine with not owning a house yeah I think. So. I, I, you know, I didn't want to own a house for the longest, and it was just like recently when I started paying attention to the Instagram. <laughs> I need a house. <laughs> I need to have a place where I can hand pictures. <laughs> yeah, I would love to but, live in a better house, potentially yeah. by myself, which I can't right now. So yeah, yeah. it's it's hard. Yeah, it's weird with the with the. Do you have your settled status? I haven't applied for it yet. I'm I'm a procrastinator. Oh my God. <laughs> do you apply? I think that you can apply until the end of 2020. I think I it's a, uh, until June 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> do, yes. do that <laughs> so you can stay. I don't know how I feel about then calling it settled yeah. status because it used to be permanent residence. And permanent residence means something. It have the word permanent in <laughs> permanent in it. Is it residence? So you know that you are a resident. B 
but when you have settled status, what does it mean to be settled? Yeah. You know, settle is not a word that have a good meaning anywhere. When you settle for something, exactly. it's not a good thing. <laughs> when you settle for, some, for someone, you're going to have a terrible marriage. That's what you I was settling for the UK. Is this what is that? That's like part of the thing. That's part of the reason why I haven't done it yet. Because I yeah. hate to, the world and I hate uh, the feeling that we're all being put in mm. like a little bag of everyone we don't want here, but we can't really throw away. Let's just put them yeah. in a bag until the time that we can throw them away. And they're all inside exactly. an easy bag that we can find. Exactly. Yeah. I think like we're putting a bag that they're eventually going to throw yeah. away. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Because like settled state doesn't mean anything. They could just like change the meaning anytime that they want. Yeah. Uh, they can be like, we have this, like, now settled status, like, basically, as you were before the UK left the EU. But in any moment, they can be like, actually, we have decided that settles means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gonna kick you out. Yeah, you know what? The EU stopped paying attention to us. No one cares. So, like, out of here. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that will not yeah, happen. Hopefully. Do you have any exam? Anyone? that you think is an example of bravery, be them real or a fictional character or something, someone famous or like someone from your life? The first thing that came to my mind was uh, Sanganji from The Lord of the Rings, who didn't have to go on that adventure. He was, he was doing the garden for <laughs> Mr. Frother, you know? He was, he was just there. Frother have a reason to do it because he got the ring from his aunt uncle he got the ring from from Bilbo Baggins <laughs> and Gandalf was literally like forcing him to but something have to be cut in all that but he did it and he always did the right thing with integrity he he in the books he put the ring at one point and the ring cannot corrupt yeah. him because the way the ring corrupts you is by showing you things that you want, wh wh how life could be if you have the things that you want. But when <laughs> when Sam put the ring on, the ring couldn't do anything because he's just into gardening, yeah. you know? So what can you give to someone that's just happy with a garden? It's like, connect nicely yes. with the theme of this podcast, I guess. Just be happy with your garden. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> What are we Just doing? Like, Wanting more? A exactly. Is enough. If you're happy with your life, th there's nothing no one can do to corrupt you. You're just like pure. <laughs> but yeah, I think he was very brave and he helped Mr. Frodo and he... <laughs> and every time that Frodo looked like he was gonna go to the event, Sam was there to, to like put him in the straight path. He helped his friends. He helped himself. He helped the middle, the middle <laughs> earth. I was gonna say the Middle East. <laughs> he solved the conflict, Israel-Palestinian conflict. <laughs> no, he did a great job, and I think he's very brave. And I wish I have chosen a, an example of a real person. <laughs> but I'm super into the Lord of the Rings. So any opportunity I have to talk about it, I will. Take it. Have you heard about the podcast? It's Nicole Bayer oh, and Lauren Lapkus. They they are watching. Yeah. They they did the first series was watching Star Wars for the first time, and now they're watching oh. the Lord of the Rings for the first time and talking about it oh, on nice. a podcast. 
Oh my god, I have to listen to that. I love Nicole Byer so much. I love her podcast. And this comes to the to <laughs> the end where I ask about plugs. So with plug Nicole Byer, do you have something you want to plug? I don't have anything coming. I'm just like gigging again. I'm gigging normally again. Well, kind of, well normally. I'm gigging outdoors. It was enough fun and they were like we it was a drive-in and people just took their cars that It was like very weird because I felt that was not gigging to people, it was gigging to cars. <laughs> Especially because the gig, it got dark. So I couldn't see the people inside the cars. I could only see the cars. And whenever <laughs> people like a joke and they were like yeah. laughing, what they would do is they turn on their, their <laughs> lights, you know? So you would tell a joke <laughs> and there would be like complex silence and then you would see flashes of light. It was like... I felt like it, like in the movie Cars. I felt that those cars were sentient. I was like freak out. Have the you whole watched time. the movie Christine, the assassin car? No. It's a sentient car <laughs> that kills people. And now that's the only thing in my mind. Well, it's a good thing that you told me about that movie after the gig. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you wanna go see me at Strange, have a strange experience. See me doing comedy, check out my website for places that I'm gigging at, I guess. That's all I have to plug. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest in my podcast and talking yeah. to me for like over an hour on a Sunday. <laughs> no, <laughs> Where it could be hanging out with friends. You're a friend. I consider you a friend. This is hanging out with friends. I have a lovely time talking to you. I really enjoy Thank that. <laughs> Just happy to talk to people. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at @marianisbeats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag dowdypod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagne for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Pejo. Until next week.